Good morning, and welcome to Alpine Church. I'm Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, Joel himself said it. I couldn't have said it any better. So I was actually a pastor here at this campus one time, and this by far is the best campus. I'm not going to lie. I, I, and I know I'm a little partial. I'm a Roy guy, and I've been here before, so like there's some of that there. But honestly, uh, you know, we... We as pastors, I mean, they think it's this elevated position, but we are not that. <laughs> we are just broken, sinful men that God uses to support and to help the church. And so really, uh, this is nothing about us. Um, this is all about you. And so we're grateful for you, for the church. And the Bible says that we are called to support and to equip the saints, which is the church, to do the work of the ministry. And so without you, we don't have the ability to be the church. And so thank you. Uh, for the gift, for the donuts, for all of that stuff, for the appreciation, but let me just say this, uh, this is all about you guys. Uh, one last thing before we get started, uh, we're going to go ahead and send our youth. Uh, if you are in Fusion ages 7 to 12, uh, you can head to room 2 uh, for their class. Uh, we're right smack dab in the series uh, in the Shema. If you know, if you've been with us, uh, you know that the Shema is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If your Bible's uh, here you can open up your Bible apps. We're going to hang out, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Now, when you hear the word love, what is the first thing that you think about? Now, just take a moment here and think about when you hear of the word love, what is the very first thing that comes into your mind? You know, for me, uh, there are a lot of things that I really, really, really love. I mean, just love. I'm, I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports nut. My, my teams, they really both suck. I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, and I'm a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, but I still love them. Like, when they said that football was going to be gone, that was tragic for me, because I love sports. I love athletics, but I get this feeling about football, which is weird, I know, but I do. Maybe it's, for you, it's a, a hobby. You know, I like to golf. I'm not very good at it, but I love to golf, right? And then it's just that birdie, that one birdie every, you know, 15 rounds that brings you back, right? Or maybe for you, you've never gotten a birdie, but, but you have a hobby that you love, and it's something that you, that you appreciate and that you value. Maybe you're a foodie. Any foodies in here? You like food? No one likes food in here? <laughs> just me? I guess you could tell, right? I mean, but I, I love food, and I mean, the food that I love the most is going to be sound kind of weird, but I love sushi. Any sushi lovers in here? Like, I could eat sushi breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just really could. Like, I could have a bowl of, uh, you know, a bowl of fish. You know, that'd be kind of, that'd be good for me. I love sushi, but, but maybe it's something else. You know, maybe it's a feeling that you get in a relationship. You know, maybe it's that first date that you come home and you got the warm, fuzzy feelings. And you're like, man, I could see something going on here. It's a, an emotional feeling. You know, maybe it's uh, uh, for those of you who are dog lovers. I got, well, I have three dogs. Two I would call rats and one I would actually call a dog. But I love my dogs, right? And I love my rats too. If you have rats, that's okay. No, no worries. But, but I love my dogs. I have this genuine feeling of affection. You know, we, we look at love and in the English language, the word love is something that we conjure up. It's a feeling that we get. It's something that we use that can be turned off. It can be turned on. It can be manipulated by circumstance or situation. You see, it's a feeling. It's an emotion. And to many of us, uh, we have this passion for something. Love is this passion that we have for something specifically. And you know, sadly, when it comes to the word love, in our language, it doesn't really capture all of the, what the word love means in the Hebrew language. 
The word love, uh, or ahava, uh, the root word of that word, ahava, love, is hav. And that word means to give. So it literally means to give of oneself. It's not just a feeling or an emotion. It's actually demonstrated in action. It's a, an action-based thing. Now, isn't that so different? When we think of love in our own lives, it's something that I love, a feeling that I get. This is something that makes me feel good. When in reality, when we look at the word ahava or love in the Hebrew language, in the original language, it means to give. It means to give of oneself. It means to be demonstrated in action. It's not just receiving, it's giving. It's not just a feeling, it's an act of doing. And so we're in week three of our series on the Shema, and you've guessed it. Uh, We're going to talk about the meaning of love in the Shema specifically, that word ahava. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and and this is the Shema. Now, just to kind of give you an idea if this is your first time here, the Shema uh, was a declaration uh, that was given to God's people, Israel, uh, by Moses. And so uh, this was given to them to show their allegiance or their dedication. And so this literally was a way to show how you were in in relationship with God, but then also how it was translated in the way that you lived your life. Now, this specific part of Scripture, the Shema, has been uh, kind of taken by the Jewish people and has been recited. It's a a very famous prayer that's been recited literally uh, morning and evening every single day. It's memorized by heart, and uh, Jewish believers, they, they say this prayer every single day. And you see, we have it in our Bible too. We have it in the Old Testament, so we can utilize it and apply it to our life as well. So each week what we've been doing is we've been highlighting specific words. Today it is love or ahava. Let's read it together. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love or ahava the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. You know, when it comes to this word specifically in the Shema, Ahava, I believe there's a, a lot of depth. There's some richness that comes from this. And I, I really think that there's kind of three things that, that we can pull out. And the first thing is this, and I think this is very important that we understand this, that first of all, God is love. God is love. And because God is love, that's just a part of who he is. And you see, God created us, mankind, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, said that God created us in his image. And so because God is love and he created us in his image, we too can love. We can experience love. We can demonstrate love. We can have feelings of emotion and admiration, but we can also ahava which is we can demonstrate our love in action. You know, we actually see this in Scripture in 1 John 4, 8, literally where it says that God is love. God is love. And so throughout Scripture, if you've read the Bible or maybe you've been to Sunday school and you've heard of, of all the stories of God demonstrating his love for his people, right? He, he, he had a covenant with his people Israel and he protected them Time in and time again, he led them out of the exodus, out of slavery, and he protected them and he guided them with fire and food and manna and all of these things. And he was always demonstrating his love for his people. It was his constant protection and guidance of them. When we think of of God, we think of his forgiveness. 
You know, there was sin that entered the world and God made a way for us to be in relationship with him through forgiveness. You know, in the Old Testament, there was uh, rituals and routines uh, that every year it would happen. It was called the Day of Atonement. So it would be a process that would happen to forgive the people of their sins. You see, that was God demonstrating his love for his people through forgiveness. But it's important that we understand that God doesn't just love the Israelites. God doesn't just love his people because they deserve it. It's because God loves his people because it's a nature, it's a characteristic, it's who God is. God is love. He's always been love. He always only loves. Now we read about this in Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, verse 3. It says, long ago Lord, the Lord said to Israel, I have ahavad you. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. You see, God, his love is eternal. It's always been there. It's who he is. It's in his nature. He says, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. You see, because of his love, we are able to be in relationship with God. And so what we do is we see God genuinely having love and affection for his people. We see that, but we also see that, that love is more than just that feeling, right? If we know that word, ahava, is to give, it's to be demonstrated in action, God too has done that as well. God demonstrates his love to his people through action. It means he not only eternally gives himself with love to his people, but he also acts upon it as well. And we read about this just a couple chapters before the Shema, actually, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says, Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants. And he personally, I love this, he personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. You know, sometimes we think about God as this distant God. You know, he's, he's in heaven and he's distant from us and he's far away and, and he's up there and we're down here and we're just kind of doing this thing. And, and, and God, maybe you're there, maybe you're not, right? But here's what this says to us is God personally is in the details of our life. He personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. You see, he is involved. He is near to us. He is in every moment. He's everywhere. God is omnipresent. He's in everything that we do. And his number one characteristic and trait is love. And so why is this important? Well, first we see that God is a loving God, and he, he teaches us how to love and to feel and to have those kinds of emotions. And second, we, we can learn how to love because God created us in his image to love too. And you see, we have now this ability to not only feel love, but actually to show love, to show God's love to other people because we were created in his image. You know, I think the reason why Israel was able to pray this prayer and they're able to pray the Shema is because they've seen over and over and over, if they've read scripture, how God loved them, how he predicted them or protected them, how he took care of them, how he led them to the promised land, how he did all of these things and he demonstrated his love in action. You know, we too can have the relationship with God. We can love God and we can love others because he first loved us. It's the most important thing for us to understand. When we think of the word love, we have to understand that the only way we can begin to even fathom love or feel or even act is because of God. Because God is love and he created us in his image. But again, 
Remember, it's not just about having this loving relationship with God. It's not just a feeling. It's not just me and him. It's not just an emotion. It's actually demonstrated in action. And I think that leads us to our next point, that our love for God is more than a feeling. For us, it too is demonstrated in action. For us too, it should be demonstrated in action. You know, my, my wife and I have been married for 16 years. It'll be 17 years in January. That's a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can honestly tell you, when I think about the love that I have for my wife, I still get, like, warm, fuzzy feelings. I know I'm a kind of a feeler. It's kind of cheesy. But I, I truly do. Like, I married up big time. If you've seen my wife, if you've met my wife, you know that that was God's providence for me. I mean, it really was. It was his favor on my life. And anybody in who's, here who's married, you two married up, guys. Can I get an amen, women? Yeah. Yeah, guys, too. Good. We're all on the same page. We all married up. Me especially. And you know, you know what's funny is, uh, as I was preparing this message for my wife, I was thinking about like, okay, love, and what does that mean? And, and you know, it's a feeling and an action. And, and I'm like, man, I just I still get these like in love, lovey feelings. And I'm like, I wonder if my wife feels the same way. It's full transparency. So I texted her. I was preparing for my message, and I'm going to show you what I said. I said, do you get the warm fuzzies for me when you think about how much you love me? <laughs> and that right there is what she wrote. That right there is the love that my wife has for me, right? Like, see, we're a little different. We're wired a little different, as you can see, you know? But, but here's the thing. Have you ever heard of the, the saying, action speaks louder than words? Actions speak louder than words. You know, I, I can tell my wife that I love her and that I get these warm, fuzzy feelings about her, but unless I demonstrate to her in action, is it really love after all? You know, I think about this in my own life, in my relationship with my God. I, I can tell God that I love him, that he is everything to me, and that I can go the other way and sin. And am I showing God in action my love for him? You see, actions speak louder than words. My wife knows that I love her, not based on the warm, fuzzy feelings that I get when I think about her, but she knows that I love her when I pick the kids up when she asks me to, Right? She knows that I love her by getting the honey-dews done in a reasonable amount of time, and, and that's up for debate on the, on the amount of time that is. But she knows that I'm proactive and I care and I'm going to do things that I say that I'm going to do, right? Because actions speak louder than words. She knows that I'm going to go to work every single day. She knows that I'm going to work hard to provide for our family. She knows that I'm going to invest in my kids spiritually. She knows that I'm going to be the leader of my home. And you see, when I do those things, it demonstrates to her my love for her. I mean, I could just say, honey, I love you so much, but completely live a different word. And do, am I really showing her that I truly love her? You know, don't, don't get me wrong. Now, this doesn't mean that we should just do things and not experience love for our, for our spouses or for our relationships. We should have intimate, loving feelings. But we also need to demonstrate it in everything that we do. And you see, this is what God, what His ahava shows us. It's both affection for His people, but it's also action. And so you would say, well, what does this mean? What does it mean to show action to God that I love him? Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, we actually get it. We, we get the roadmap, if you will, in four chapters later in Deuteronomy chapter 10. And this is Moses saying, and now Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? Don't you love it when you're like asking a question? And you're like, oh, there's the answer, right? Well, here's what he says. 
He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him. If you've been a part of Alpine Church, maybe you've been mentored by somebody, maybe you've gone uh, through the pursuit with someone, uh, you know that there's this thing we call full circle faith, right? It's trusting in Jesus. And then there's the second part of that, which is called honoring God with your life. That's what it's talking about here. You love God, you trust in Jesus, and then you live in a way that pleases Him. You live to honor God. That third part of it is uh, helping others, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But that's what it is. You must live in a way that honors Him and pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and your soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. You see, God, in the Shema, God was saying, listen, I want you to love me and put me first to know that I am God, the only God, and I want that love and adoration and dedication, but I also want you to ahava me. I want you to demonstrate that love for me in action. I want you to find out what pleases me. Luckily for us, we have God's Word. God's Word is you know, the roadmap for our life. It's what we should filter our lives through. We need to find out what pleases God, and we need to say, is my life lining up with the direction and the decrees that God has for me? Am I obeying His commandment? You know, I think for most people, specifically Jewish believers, the Shema is a very personal prayer. It's a prayer that's saying, God, I'm putting you first. God, I'm going to love you with everything that I am, heart, soul, and strength. I'm going to do this, me and you, God. But you see, it's, it's more than that. It, it, it is a sign of an intimate, dedicated relationship with God, but it's also a sign of action. I believe that God's people, if you're a follower of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that we're required not just to be in relationship with God, but to point other people to him. In fact, Jesus too said this. Jesus was interacting uh, in Matthew chapter 22. You may know the story. Uh, Jesus comes on scene and he's teaching and he's leading people and, and he, he's going out and, and he has this interaction. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're these religious elite leaders. And listen, they would have known not only the Shema, but the majority of the Old Testament. I mean, they would have known a lot of, of, of Scripture. And so what they were doing is, is they were always looking for opportunities to catch Jesus in a lie or to get him to do something that was contrary to Scripture, to the Old Testament. And so what they were doing here in this moment is they were saying, oh, teacher, great rabbi, why don't you tell us what the most important thing to do in this world is? And you know, what, you know how Jesus responded to them? He used the Shema. Listen to what it says. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You say, listen, I'm going to tell you what you've already been, what you've known. You should do those things. It's God's word. He's calling you to do those things. And so when, when, when you ask me those things, you have it in Scripture already. But he says this. He says, there's something. And when this is Jesus speaking, Jesus is God. And he says that there's something that is equally as important. Equally as important. So yes, love God with everything that you have, your, your heart, your soul, and your strength. Be dedicated in the way that you live your life to him, but there's also something else. And you know what that is? It's to love your neighbor. It's to love people. So you love God, and the result of that love is demonstrated in action by your love for people. 
Ahava is not just feelings, it's action. And God's saying, listen, yes, love God. Yes, give him your everything. But he also says a way that you demonstrate that love is by how you live your life, yes. But secondly, it's about who you point to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's convicting for me. I mean, I, I think about this all the time. Like, so as a pastor, you get to spend a lot of time with people that you go to church with and, and you're serving together and you're doing all of those, these things and you know, maybe you're counseling with someone and you're, you're, you're talking about God and, and it's really easy to do. But when, you get, when, I, when I drive into my cul-de-sac, I've got like five or six neighbors. And what am I doing to... Love my neighbor. That doesn't mean I knock on the door and say, hey, neighbor, I love you. We're cool. Like, that's not at all what that means. What that means is, is that what am I doing to point my neighbors to Jesus? I mean, this is something that I've really had to, like, investigate in my own life. Like, literally mowing the lawn. Is it just a wave and that's it? Or is it that I'm doing other things that I'm trying to, to find ways that God would use me to be invitational to come to church or that they would know that there's something different about me because not only am I just a pastor, that the other guy in another religion, but that he would, they would see something different in me so they would be attracted. You know, I, we spend a lot of time with, uh, my, all my kids are in sports and so we're at games all the time and I come into interactions with so many different people and I thought about this the other day, like, what, what do, who do people know you as? Do they know you as that pastor who's always yelling at the referees? Like, I've had that problem. I have. I feel like I've gotten a little bit better at that. Or do they know you as something different? You know, the Bible says that, that we're called to be a city on a hill, to be salt of the earth, and to do things that is attractive so that people would come to know God. You know, am I just in my box, in my sphere, in my bubble, comfortable? Or am I allowing God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to use me to love others? Now, I don't know who that speaks to today. It's been speaking to me for, for several weeks because I've failed at it miserably. And I've got a long way to go. I really, really do. But you see, God says, listen, you can love me by having a reverent fear of me, by being respectful, by, you know, loving me with your heart, your soul, your strength, and those are the next three words that we're going to break down and really, really fascinating things in the, in the coming weeks. We hope you join us again. Yes, are we living in a way that honors God with our life? Are we pleasing Him? Are we filtering our life through God's Word and, and allowing people to speak into our life and tell us what we need to hear versus what we want to hear? Yeah, all those are important. But the question is, are we leading other people to Jesus Fathers, are you leading your homes? Are you leading your families? Are you leading your children? Are you leading your spouses to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? You can say we love God, but if we're not demonstrating that in action, do we really? Do we really? Are we at work using every opportunity to be invitational? You know, or what are we doing in our lives to be invitational, to demonstrate our love for God in action to other people? Because listen, actions speak louder than words. God, I love you, but God, I'm not willing to do this. God, I love you, but I'm not willing to have this conversation. God, I love you, but I'm not really to get ready to give this up. My question is, is how will we display our love for God by giving it up? By demonstrating to him that our actions speak louder than just our words. You know, when I begin to think of actions speaking louder in words, I immediately begin to think of, of how Jesus demonstrated, how God demonstrated his love for us in Jesus Christ.
And that really leads us to our last point. You know, God demonstrated his love for you and for me in the most costly way. The way that he gave his life so that we could be in relationship with him was the true form of demonstrating love in action. You know, a a verse that many of us know, uh, even people who love football always see this verse on TV, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. For God so ahavad the world. He didn't just feel love. He demonstrated it. And here's how he demonstrated it. He gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, here is how much God loves us. Here is how much our God loves us, that he would create heaven and earth, and he would create everything in it perfect, all of the the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the land, everything that we experience every single day, he would create that, and he would say, man, this is perfect, this is good. And that he would then create mankind in his image, in love, so that we could be in relationship with the living God, And you know what we did? We did the opposite of what he asked us to do. It was called sin. We went our own way in Genesis chapter 3. And because of that, there was a chasm between us and God. You see, God didn't just say, look, I'm a righteous God. I'm a God who demands holiness. I'm a God that demands this. I'm done with you. Instead, what he did is even in Genesis chapter 3 is he made a way for his people, for his creation to be in relationship with him. And do you know who that was? That was Jesus. Because of that chasm, the Bible says that every single one of us, all of us, falls short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, we fall short of God's glorious standard. We go our own way every single day. And the wages, the, 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 the payment of that is death. It's eternal separation from, a, from an almighty, holy God. But you see, the free gift Just a a few verses later, the free gift that comes for you and for me is that those would put their faith in Jesus, that if we would put our faith in him, we could then be in relationship with a a God who loves us. See, that's love demonstrated in action. Romans 8, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus displayed his ahava his love for us in such a way that not only did he say, I love my people, but he said, I'm going to show them how in action. And you know, I I think about this, like I I think, okay, you know, Jesus is God. So of course God, a God of love is going to make a way, you know, and he's going to send Jesus and Jesus is going to come and he's going to be the one who is going to overcome sin because he's God. Like, yeah, that's a great story. Well, what does this have to do with me? Well, listen, Jesus wasn't just fully God. The Bible says that he was fully human too. He was born as a human. And so he had feelings. He had emotions. He had fear, doubt, worry, and anxiety, and love, and ups and downs. And so he had all of these things. And you know what? When it came time for him to do this in action, there is no doubt that he struggled In fact, we read about it when he went, uh, just before he was getting ready to die, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he went off to pray. And do you know what he prayed? He prayed, God, this is too much for me. I I don't think I can do this. I'm afraid. I'm worried. I'm fearful. I don't want to die. Like all of these things, imagine, begin to imagine what you would think would be going through your head. But he said, you know what? It's not just my feelings. God, would your will be done. And not only does he do that once, not twice, but he does that three times. 
And you see, for me, how many of you have been in a situation where it's been hard, where your emotions have taken over, where you decided not to move forward because you're afraid, because you don't know what's going to happen, because you don't want to see the outcome? You see, if Jesus would have said in that moment, I don't want to do this, I am fearful, I am scared, I'm not going to the cross, I'm not going to die, and he went the other way, every single one of us would be doomed to hell. We would, Romans 6.23, we would be eternally separated from God forever. But you see, Jesus didn't let his feelings be it. He had ahava for us. He not only loved us, but he demonstrated his love by saying, God, your will be done, not mine. And you know the story. He was led to the cross and he was brutally murdered as a sinner. He who was without sin did that for you and for me. You see, that's ahava love. It wasn't just saying, I love you. It was saying, I love you and I'm going to show you. And the Bible says because he did that, we can have a relationship with him forever. Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, just a few chapters later, it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him to new life, raised him from the dead, if you believe that, nothing that you will do, nothing that you will ever be, if you believe in Jesus, the one who demonstrated action and love for us, the Bible says you will be saved. That's the only way. You see, wherever you're at in your life right now, if you've never made that decision, would you please see the love of God, the the God who created heaven and earth? Would you see how much he loves you today? And would you respond to his action on the cross and say, yes, God, I want to believe in you and I want that relationship with you. The Bible says he's knocking and he's ready for you to have a relationship with him. If you've never done that, I would love to share with you how to do that. I know Joel would. I know there are many people in this room that would love to give you that love demonstrated in action. Now, There might be some of you in this room here today that have put their faith in Jesus and you're living life and you're saying, God, I love you. I do. But there's a lot of things that I'm holding on to that I also love. I love those things too. So I love you here, but not here. And maybe there's something that you need to say, God, I want to demonstrate my love for you by laying my life, my priorities, my ideas at your feet and letting my life be lived to please and honor you, that I would be filtered through the hands of God and his word. Maybe that's you today. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Words cannot even begin to to, to express how much, God, I am so grateful for you and for your love for me that even in the midst of my sin, you knew, but you also pursue. You pursued me. And God, you're doing that to your people in this room. You're saying, look, yes, I love you. I feel love for you. But more than that, I demonstrated my love for you and will always demonstrate my love for you because I'm God, but by showing you that I sent my son for you. God, would we respond to that today? Would it change our lives eternally? God, would it change the way we live our lives now and how we live for you, but also point people to you? And God, ultimately, would we say, God, you are God and you are in charge of my life. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, tug on us wherever we're at in that journey. In your name we pray, amen.